your San Diego Padres win the rubber game of a set against the Miami Marlins 10 to 1, which means... Well, it was the rubber game. They win the series after some huge offense from Gary Sanchez, a great start from Joe Musgrove and others. We're going to talk about that game. And unfortunately, we do have to talk about the unfortunate uh, game from Wednesday night, too. And if that's indicative of how the whole season feels as a whole, I don't know. But you know what you're listening to, everybody. So let's get on started. You are locked on Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to an edition of Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for June 1st, which is a Thursday. I messed that up. So Thursday, June 1st, as always, I'm your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. Follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, that's J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres. Uh, If you want only Padres tweets, go check that out. If you want weird stuff, check out my account. Really crazy stuff, guys. Let me tell you, let me tell you. Thank you for making Lockdown Padres your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, which you uh, you should go check out. Because it's, uh, it's really cool. You get to see Pac-Man and Tatis. It's really cool stuff. And my weird clown hat. Uh, really good. Although the clown hat, not in full effect today, ladies and gentlemen. Because we're going to talk about some good stuff. Let me tell you. So, uh, the rare Padres series win and rare uh, offense. Right? Pretty nuts. Uh, today's episode, guys, is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app and use the code LOCKDOWNMLB after you make an account to get $20 off your first purchase. Remember, that is... Game time, Lockdown MLB, last minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. Go check it out, guys. On today's episode, we're going to be recapping the last two games of this Marlin series. First, we're going to talk about the game that happened today because this episode is coming out today. Duh. And then we're going to be talking about the last night's game that ended uh, kind of unfortunately and made me want to jump into the Hudson River. It was not great. But first, let's talk about last night's game. And also... Happy Spider-Verse Day, everybody, I just must say. That's why I'm rocking the Spider-Man shirt on the video of the podcast. And happy Pride Month for those as well as we enter the wonderful month known as June. I am personally not a fan of June. You know why? Because it really feels like the beginning of summer, and I am not a big fan of summer. Because literally all I have is baseball, which is a good thing to have if all you have is one thing. But it could be tough sometimes. Um, But last night's game, or I'm sorry, yesterday's game. Padres win by a score of 10 to 1, the rare Padres 10 spot, and it came at a good time, uh, especially following Wednesday's devastating loss. Padres score 10 runs in this game. Uh, man, I mean, w- what a day for Fernando Tatis Jr. Three for four with four RBIs, three doubles, a walk, and a stolen base. I mentioned on a podcast previously that because if you look at his BABIP, you look at the fact that he's uh, been hitting the ball super hard, that the batting average and on base, that slash line, I did think was going to improve. And it happened pretty quickly. So shouts to him. 253 batting average, uh, I believe, uh, now after this game. The on base percentage, I think, is going to hit over 300 uh, after this game. Really, really cool stuff. Love the doubles. Love the walk. And like I said, also a stolen base there. Just a great game for him overall. Not much from Soto. Despite the 10th spot, which is pretty funny that he's been the person carrying the Padres offense basically since around like April 27th and has the second best OPS in all of baseball over that span, like over a thousand, like 1123 or something like that. 
I think. I don't have the number in front of me, but I do know it's been the second best since that stretch. Uh, he actually goes 0 for 3 in this game with three strikeouts, which is which is just funny because with all that runs and how good he's been doing lately, you would think that he'd be a big part of it. And he wasn't, and it doesn't matter because the rest of the team stepped up, uh, which is great. Xander Bogarts goes 1 for 4 in this game with a double as well. He does have a strikeout, but he does have a nice um, RBI double in this game. Uh, hopefully he starts to get things going, or it wasn't an RBI double, my apologies. The RBI, RBI doubles... Uh, come from Brandon Dixon. Brandon Dixon hasn't been that bad, all things considered, and filling in for Machado. I can't wait until Manny gets back, but not too bad from him. And Hassan Kim, uh, another hero of this game. Uh, one for four, he scores two runs in this, uh, but does have an RBI, a double, a walk, and a stolen base. Hassan Kim, I must once again bring up, he has been one of the best Padres batters outside Juan Soto in the month of May. He was fantastic, or I should say, during the month of May, since we are now past 276, 382, 434 slash line. He was great. He was great. And he really bounced back from his really bad first month. Great defensive player. We know that. Maybe he's starting to show a little bit more growth, though, as an offensive player, because this was better than just average. You know what I mean? This wasn't a 240, 330 slash line that he usually gives us uh, for the course of the season. Instead, he was more. He was walking more, making better contact. So, really cool stuff from him. Maybe. Maybe he's going to be a little bit better than just your average offensive player, which the Padres would really desperately need, uh, as they have a lot of ground to make up in the standings. But uh, also in this game, we get, let's see here. Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) I talked about him a little bit um, on the pod. Uh, Gary Sanchez in this game, three RBIs, a home run again, second day in a row. Uh, which means he officially is in the lead amongst Padres catchers for home runs. I believe, basically, if you combine Campizano and, what's his face? Who's that other guy? Austin Nola, that they have equal amounts of home runs. They probably have the same number of extra base hits at this point. Three RBIs, like I said, two for four. Uh, really good stuff from Gary, starting off on the right foot um, for his Padres career. I said in the previous podcast, I don't have much to necessarily say about him. I'm just worried that the move reeks of a sign, like a microcosm of issues for the team and the fact that they felt so desperate to grab him. And we're going to talk about the downside of Gary in a little bit when we get to uh, Wednesday's game. But offensively, he's absolutely 1,000% better. Even when he's shown drastic, drastic declines at the plate these past couple years, he's still better than what we have in Austin Nola and Brett Sullivan, who I don't think is quite ready, especially defensively, and Campizano, who's got this thumb crazy injury, and who knows when he's coming back. Um, the Campizano hive. We burned bright for a second, and I still, still don't understand why Austin Nola gets to play. The guy is a good defensively. He goes uh, 0 for 4 in this game. Shocker. Um, I still don't get how he plays as much as he does. Um, granted, I think that's going to change now with Gary Sanchez. Um, part of the team, but it's pretty funny that he was the DH. It's like, I know Gary can't do much in terms of framing, much in terms of necessarily throwing guys out, and he makes mistakes that we'll talk about a little bit later. But why are we acting like Austin Null is good? He has an error in this game as well, trying to throw out the runner at second base. If he was Austin Hedges, remember him? Remember that guy? Where Austin Hedges couldn't hit worth a damn, but he was really good defensively, then I could be like, all right, I can see why they want to just, they're just going to eat it and be like, all right, Gary can play, or whoever can play every once in a while. But no, Austin Nola's not good at anything, unfortunately. like The only thing he's good at is the fact that when he does swing the bat, he'll make contact. 
the contact's usually terrible and it's not hit hard at all and it doesn't leave the infield, but he doesn't whiff on stuff. It's the only thing that he's got going for him. Um, but yeah, shots to the Padres offense, really good stuff from them. Uh, and you love to see it because the Marlins, um, despite being known for their pitching and having really depth, a great depth of pitching, uh, they hit up Jesus Lazardo pretty good in this game. He does get eight strikeouts, but he gets hit up for five earned runs. So the Padres really made him pay. The fact that Gary Sanchez homered is hilarious. I want everyone in the comments or the, the Twitter verses, send me any meme you come up with with Gary Sanchez because we need it. Is he this year's Jorge Alfaro? Could be. That one-year kind of cult hero, you bring him in, kind of a failed catcher, and then he just comes up clutch for the team. Uh, it's a bad sign that we're having to re- re- um, rely on guys like that. Hey, but until Ethan Salas, who's apparently the Bryce Harper of catchers, uh, in terms of just being this young phenom, until he comes up, that's probably what they're going to have to to hope for. So, shouts to Gary. Great game for him, especially making up a little bit for last night. Also in this game, Mr. Joe Musgrove, Money Musgrove, dare I say. Six innings in this one across just 80 pitches. He actually had a no-hitter going for a while. Uh, one run that wasn't actually charged him because of that Austin Nola error. Three walks, three Ks. Uh, not the most electric stuff in the world. Three Ks. Didn't have a lot of whiffs in this one. Granted, Joe Musgrove isn't the type of guy that gets crazy whiffs. He's not going to beat you with his fastball necessarily, but he does get five whiffs on it. But curveball, cutter, I think that this was more of a case of him being on, his control being good, uh, for the most part, located in the right parts of the plate despite the three walks. Um, but he didn't give up any big hits, as evidenced by the zero earned runs. So shots to him. Still, it's still been kind of a delayed start for him. He's a good pitcher, and I'm just waiting for him to put together a nice, decent stretch because while this was a great game uh, and he was great against the Yankees as well, he had two starts, one against Boston, one against the Dodgers where he got hit up for four. The previous game against the Dodgers, he gave up none, but then the previous game before that, he gave up seven against San Francisco, albeit in Mexico City, so it might have inflated his ERA. So I'm hoping, I think it's, I think we're on the turn for Joe Musgrove. I really do, and I think that the Sample size of the past couple years is evidence to that from 2022 to 2021. I think that we are in that phase. I just think he's earned a lot of trust amongst the fire faithful and the front office and fandom, whatever you want to call it. Um, So hopefully this is a sign that he's going to turn things around. His next start, um, probably going to come against, let's see here, probably going to come against the Mariners in a two-game stretch. So that should be really fun. Uh, The Mariners have been a little bit of a disappointing team this year. So I'm really curious to see. Uh, how that shakes up. Or he might catch the end of the Cubs series. I'm not totally sure, but it's more likely he'll face the Mariners on Monday. So really looking forward to that. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, or I'm sorry, on Tuesday against the Mariners. Uh, hopefully he can keep it going. Hopefully he can keep it going. But before we continue, my good friends, my very, very good friends who are listening to this podcast, thank you so much for listening to the podcast if you are, wherever you're watching and what have you. But first, let me take a second to talk to you about what I talked about at the beginning of the show. Game time. Mm. If you want low prices, man, this place has you covered. And if you're worried about the stress of trying to sell tickets, trying to get your tickets before the night of a big event, and by the way, it could be anything. Music, comedy, theater, not just sports. Uh, They got you covered for it all, ladies and gentlemen. Flash deals and last-minute tickets. Easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area or areas. Would it be more than one area? I think it'd just be your area. I don't know why I said areas. Sometimes I try to make the ads more interesting, and I fail like that. But game time never fails 
ladies and gentlemen. Images of seat views is my favorite part of it because I don't know. I'm a, I'm a visual learner and I like to see exactly what my seat looks like. Lowest price is guaranteed. Event cancellation, event, event cancellation protections, job loss protections, whatever. You are good. You don't have to plan too far in advance, man. You can kind of just get it the night of and they've got the lowest prices. So you are going to like that. And the guarantee means you'll always get the best price. And if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, guess what? Game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Don't worry, ladies and gentlemen. They have you covered. They are for the people, you sports or comedy or movie or theater or whatever folk. Don't worry. Maybe you want Taylor Swift tickets. Maybe they can help you out there. I don't know. Taylor Swift seems like she's pretty popular. But Game Time will certainly try, and they'll try for all sorts of events. So, guys, go check out Game Time. Uh, download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On MLB for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply, but again, create an account and redeem code Locked On MLB for twenty dollars off. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. It's Game Time. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, here on this Locked On Padres podcast. We're vibing, we're thriving, uh, and feeling good about a series win. Look, the 10 spot feels great. Um, it, it was really cool. Uh, it's one of the rare offensive explosions for the Padres uh, that you just don't get all that often, especially with the one inning uh, being the top of the six when they scored most of their runs. Uh, basically all of them. They went from 3 to 10 in one inning, so that's pretty cool. Uh, but other than that, you had a Gary Sanchez home run. And also, I do want to point out, Brandon Dixon, I told you he had a good game. Also, sacrifice fly, that was really cool. Um, love that. I-, I love productive outs. It's great. It's really fun when your team doesn't just swing at three pitches down the middle or, in some cases, not down the middle, but they'll swing at two bad pitches, foul them off, and then swing at something right down the middle and just swing right through it. So... Was I just talking about Trent Grisham mostly there? Yeah, that's true. But nonetheless, it still counts. So shouts to the Padres scoring a lot. But unfortunately, we do have to talk about last night's game. I put on the side here, uh, for people who are watching the YouTube, uh, I put in the little show note thing that I put Gary. And I put a bunch of exclamation points. And you might have thought when first watching the video, oh, that's because of Gary's big game. Well, it is. But it's also because of his game last night. And last night's game... Not a lot happens. It's actually a very short game. It ended very, very early, which was great. Partially a pitch clock, but partially because Blake Snell was electric in this game. Six innings, doesn't give up a run, only walks three, and strikes out seven all across 97 pitches. Dare I say his best start of the season. I don't know if it was his best start of the season just because I think he's had more dominant performances against the better teams. I think the start against the Dodgers comes to mind. I think the start against the... uh, uh, what was it, the Cubs? No, let's see here. Not the Cubs. The Reds comes to mind. Like, I think that he's had against better teams. The Marlins really are a double play machine. And that's what happened, by the way. They generated like five double plays in this game. It was pretty, um, my lord. I mean, I don't know how you manage five double plays or whatever uh, as a team. Just incredible stuff from the Marlins. But they apparently lead the league uh, in double plays turned, or I should say double plays grounded into um, or hit into. And they're, they're like significantly. So the way the Padres are with runners in scoring position, that's how the Marlins are with uh, um, double plays um, hit into. So shouts to them doing that for us. But it was great. And Blake Snell was pretty great. I'm hoping he can turn things around. For those who don't know, I was on the Just Baseball show, uh, which everyone should go check out. I linked to it on my Twitter, uh, where I talked kind of in a fun way about how bad the Padres have been 
essentially and what's been so disappointing and how we're all fearing that the world is over and blah, 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 blah. And I talked about Blake Snell, who I was a little bit worried um, about because he started going more towards his fastball slider combination in his last start, and it didn't work. And typically, over the course of his Padres tenure, fastball slider is what he relies on is usually what happens when he starts to turn things around. And it didn't work. So he didn't do that in this game. Uh, Instead, he relied on fastballs, a whole lot of them. 64% of his pitches, in fact, 62 in total were fastballs. He generated five whiffs on them, and then his second most used pitch was his changeup, which used as a little bit of a put-away pitch, which was great. Four whiffs on the seven swings that he generated from that. So he was good in that respect. But I am wondering, is that going to be replicatable? Is he going to be able to locate that fastball good enough, especially when he's not using the slider as much? I don't know. I'm still taking it. I'm still accepting. I'm just taking anything at this point, uh, if that makes sense. I'm almost like, you know what? Yeah, I know it was a bad team, a uh, bad offensive team, but the Marlins can be a little bit pesky for just getting base hits and whatnot, so I'm just happy that uh, Snell didn't break or get blown up or anything like that. And while the Padres do lose this game, it is certainly not his fault. Um, the Padres, once again, did not manage to really uh, generate a whole lot of exciting offense. Um, Tatis actually grinds into a double play in this game. He strikes out twice. Hassan Kim can't do much. Xander Bogarts can't do much. Gary Sanchez is the lone area of offense. I said that he hit his second home run in the row. Well, he hit one in this game. It was just his second Padres game ever. Build the mural, as my guy DFA Kevin AC on, which is a very funny Twitter name, by the way. Uh, very mean. And I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily ride with it fully, but I get it, unfortunately, uh, based on how some of the things have gone for him uh, over the year. But uh, he, he said, hey, what are we painting? Paint the mural. I, I think he needs one. El Gary. I don't know what it is. Release the Kraken, whatever his nickname is these days. I have to say Sanchez's funniest moment um, as someone who lives on the East Coast was when they asked him about the Astros cheating scandal. I'm doing this to build up his legend, by the way, if you guys are wondering why I'm getting off track. Um, that They asked him about the scandal and like, if, if the Altuve, the famous Altuve home run when he doesn't want to take off his shirt, not going to get into that too much, but Gary's response to that was like, if that was me, I would have taken off like my pants. I would have taken off everything. That was his response, and I, I thought it was pretty ingenious in his own way. So is Gary Sanchez becoming a cult hero? Maybe. But unfortunately, he does have a big strike against him because in this game, the Padres are winning one nothing. And granted, one-run games, especially if you only put up one run, uh, it's hard to blame pitching. But Josh Hader, unfortunately, blows the save in this one, bumping his ERA from what it was before, which was below one. It was a 0.82 heading into tonight's game. And it's so funny when announcers start talking about it. Don, they're bringing it up, right? They're saying, hey, you know, he's got an ERA under one. He's been fantastic. He barely lets up anything. And in the back of my head, I'm like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. You know what I mean? Because every time they say that, something bad happens. And I've mentioned this before, but you could usually tell pretty early with Hader. And what happens is he, he lets off a leadoff walk, and that's what happens to him sometimes. He beats himself. He starts throwing to that same sort of place, and if guys aren't biting on it, they almost are like, uh-oh, he might beat himself today. So they, they wait on him, and Yuli Gurriel draws the walk. Joey Wendell gets a sacrifice hit. And then Gene Segura, of all people, who's been one of the least productive offensive players after being a very solid, very likable, very consistent player for not just the Phillies, but the, I think he was on the D-backs at one point. Was it the D-backs? Segura. Segura, Segura. Was it the D-backs or the Tigers? Who the heck was this guy on? It was Philly. Let me say real quick. 
was Philly. It was Seattle, and then it was yeah. He was on Arizona for one year. Okay, I did get it right. Okay, he was on Arizona for one year, and then Milwaukee. Milwaukee's the one previously that he kind of was a prospect on. Um, but he's been having a terrible year uh, as of now. Two oh five batting average, two sixty seven on base, and worst of all. 235 slugging by far the worst since 2014 for him he's been a huge bust of a signing and it stinks because i thought he was going to be like a little bit of a steal actually because i thought he would have been so one of the more consistent players in the game just really solid nothing incredible but a guy you like to have on your team and he was a playoff hero for the phillies too at points last year and he's been terrible but apparently it doesn't matter he lasers one against the padres and i'm actually going to bring up if I'm not mistaken, the exit velocity on that hit. It was the hardest hit ball of the night. 112 miles per hour off the bat. It actually didn't have like the highest expected batting average of the world, but it is hilarious that out of all the people, and it's off Josh Hader, and it allows the run to score, and here's where Gary gets involved. Gary Sanchez, after Hassan Kim cuts, uh, cuts the ball off from left field from Juan Soto, Gary Sanchez is just not at the plate. And at f- I don't really know what was going on. But this is the Gary Sanchez experience. If you are on the East Coast, you know Yankees fans hate this guy. Why? Because he just doesn't know how to play catcher sometimes. He makes mistakes with framing. There's a reason why they let go of him and they were willing to move Mountain heaven and earth the Yankees to get rid of him. Because he makes mistakes. He doesn't throw. He's got a good arm in terms of strength. That's not an issue. But it's just the framing, it's weird defensive miscues, it's past balls, and it's stuff that you saw last night. And instead of being at the plate for Hassan Kim to take the relay throw, he's not there. Would he have gotten him? Would have been damn close. I'm not going to say for sure. I don't like to say for sure in hypotheticals sometimes. Unless it's like circa 2018 when the Saints clearly had that, for anybody who knows, the the pass interference no call when football just turned to NFL blitz. (laughs) Gets the Rams and the guy just got bashed and the ball was even close to him yet as he was running his route. Craziest no call I've ever seen in my life. Um, it wasn't like that, but I will say it would have been close and that would have stopped the tying run from getting across the plate. They end up getting a stolen base from Segura too, as if we just need to be reminded that of all the people to beat us, it's him. He steals third and then Nick Fortes gets a single, bringing in Gene Segura. Right after that Gary moment, and particularly after the stolen base, which I think was... Segura almost jumping on the fact that Gary knew he messed up and kind of taking advantage of the situation. That's smart kind of uh, baseball, I think, in a lot of ways by Segura. To not like to not show any mercy, I guess, in this case. Uh, Fortes lines a single to the right. Barely fair, but even still it counts. <sighs> Off Josh Hader. Some of the hardest hit balls of the night. Can you believe that? Um, may, he might have gotten a tad lucky, Nick Fortes, on the hit off of Josh Hader. Segura... Not as much. He really did laser that thing, but it's really unfortunate. And it is a reminder of why I had initially been upset about the Gary Sanchez signing, because he makes mistakes like that. Wooey. Yeah, I mean, that was one of those losses. And I tweeted out the meme of a guy who has a the Titanic ship like in his head. He's like, Ugh. it's hard to explain it, but... uh People can check out the Twitter if they want. And that's what it felt like. And that's what this team overall still feels like. They currently stand at a good record just because they did manage to salvage the series 26-30. and 30. But you need to be beating up on teams like this more. And considering that you were right there, it really stinks. Can't blame Hater. The guy had an ERA below one, guys. 
And you can't expect the guy to come in and continually just be able to shut things down all the time. Like, give him some more runs and whatnot. It's not like they had an electric, unstoppable pitcher behind the mound. Uh, but it, it didn't seem to matter. And that's what's unfortunate is that this Padres team, every time you're beginning to believe in them, basically every time, they just kind of blow it. Right, They kind of blow it. They're not able to come through. They have weird mistakes like you saw last night where Gary Sanchez isn't covering the plate. And it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare in a lot of ways. And I had a little bit of a bad vibe heading into that inning, but I didn't think that that would be the reason why. I don't know what Gary was doing. Maybe it's possible that he thought someone was covering the plate. Maybe he thought that Josh Hader was going to cover the plate for some dumb reason. I don't know why. And that he thought he was going to take the ball and and that maybe he didn't think Kim was going to cut it off, and he went to the right, and maybe he thought that's where the ball was going to head from Juan Soto. That way he could throw out Segura trying to stretch it into a double. Maybe that's what he thought. But bottom line is you can't be there. You can't. You got to realize pretty early on that when Hassan Kim is looking like he's going to cut the ball off, that you got to get back to the plate to be able to make an attempt at getting the runner at home plate. Again, I know what I said sounds like a bunch of mumbo-jumbo. I'm just trying to understand what happened. Um because certainly Gary Sanchez doesn't seem to have understood what happened. So while it is fun to hype up the legend of Gary, call him the new Jorge Alfaro, he is a plus batter compared to what we had at the plate now over before with Sullivan and Campuzano being a mess, although I still don't like that they never give him a chance, and Osanola, who I still don't like that they keep giving too many chances. It's like they refuse to admit that they lost that trade with Ty France and Andres Munez, and can't remember the last player, my apologies, but... It's like they refuse to admit that they lost the trade. Um, but overall, Braxton Garrett um, just coming in and just carving up the Padres was not great to see. Seven strikeouts for him. There's a lot of strikeouts for the Pods. And continuing their overall offensive malaise. Uh, at the current point in the season, 29th in batting average. 22nd in on base, 24th in runs. The only thing they have going for them is their 14th in home runs. So they're great with hitting the ball out of the park compared to their other stats, but usually it's solo shots, and they hate driving people in. Slugging percentage is 25th in the league, and their their pitching is good. Pitching's good, and it shows you why. Looking on paper, everyone was saying, including myself to a degree, the problem with this Padres team is, do they have the pitching? And they do. They do. Michael Waka. Waka Waka. He's been pretty solid, man. You Darvish, solid until that Yankees start. Blake Snell, not great. Okay, he's been pretty messy. But then Seth Lugo before he went on the IL. You've had Nick Martinez give give, give um good outings. You have um Stephen Wilson out of the bullpen. You have Josh Hader, obviously. But and and then you have a good defense. So really, that's what's that might be the most maddening part about this Padres team is because of the electric defense, the very good bullpen that is a top five in baseball. Last time I checked, I haven't checked in a little bit, but I believe it was the Yankees number one and Orioles number two, and then. I forgot who was number three, but the Padres are at least in the top five from what I when I saw in bullpen ERA. But you have all that, and you would think if someone told you those numbers with the pitching and that an ounce above average and defensive runs saved and all these defensive metrics that we would be top, top five and then top ten in pitching with the added offensive players, you'd be like, great, we have to be like second in division, like right behind the Dodgers. No, you're fourth because this is one of the most underperforming offenses ever. Not ever, but in the in the sport currently, for sure. That's why I call them 2015 Nationals. So 
I'm hoping they can get things going. I hope that against the Cubs, my sleeper team, that it looks like I was wrong about that. I think I tried to be a little bit too hipster about it. I didn't pick the D-backs because I I don't know why people picked the Diamondbacks as a sleeper. I didn't think that they were a sleeper. Um, Clearly, the sleeper of this year was the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, (laughs) Like, clearly. Um, But I just... They've been... This is such a hard team to cover right now, man. Because... I almost don't have new observations for you guys. Um, And I know that they did score a lot. I understand that, that they scored a lot in Thursday's game. But I'm just saying in general, keep making mistakes at the wrong time. They're 3-10 and in one-run games, which I saw from Nick Lee on Twitter, um, courtesy, who brought it up via Ben Higgins. Shouts to the homies, Ben and Woods. Um, 3-10 and in one-run games. It's the worst in all of baseball, by the way it's just with an incredible closer and great defense. I don't know how that's possible, but it is. So that's the issue. If I told you that stuff about the defense and the bullpen and the pitching and that we added Bogarts, get a year of Soto and get Tatis back. There's no way you should be worse offensively than you were last year. But that's just, that's the case of the situation right now. And I'm being hard on them because I am worried. I'm very worried that it almost might be too late, right? It almost might be too late for them to match what they did last year. It's not impossible. I'm not giving up on the team. I think it's a mistake to give up on the team. I think it's a mistake to give up in general in sports. <laughs> you know what I mean, guys? However old you are, unless you're like four, maybe someone's watching with a, a younger kid or whatever. Um, you know, we are an all-family program here at Locked On. You know what I mean? But unless you're super young, you've seen it all at this point. So you can never give up, but... It's it's tough. So on this next the, the next teams that they have coming up are not teams that scare you. Right? They have Chicago for four, a team that I thought was my sleeper. They're not terrible. They've got some decent players on that team. Cody Bellinger looked like he was having a resurgence. Unfortunately got hurt right in the middle of that resurgence. Marcus Stroman looked like he was having a resurgence. They don't have too much other than Dansby Swanson, who nowadays, I bet you Padres fans are like, man. Get him for just six years instead of Bogarts for 11 and for less? Wouldn't it be too bad, man? I mean, right now, if I'm not mistaken, Dansby Swanson, 265, 362 on base, 412 uh, slugging. Not that bad, and he's a pretty good defensive player. So I'm wondering if some people might be thinking that. But uh, it's going to be an interesting series against the Cubs. Then they have two against Seattle, which I'm really looking forward to, just because I like Seattle as a team. Then they go to Colorado at Coors Field. Hopefully the offense shows up there. And then they have the Guardians, who have been miserable on offense. Probably the sing the only team that has been worse on offense. I would the only reason they might not be on the Padres level is because the Padres are more disappointing. Uh, the Guardians have been like this for a long time, has been struggling with offense, but their pitching is pretty good. Um, but even their pitching, their ERA is eighth best in the league, but batting average against is 19th. So they bend but not break. Uh, the Guardians pitching staff, based on just what I've seen there. But we'll see. Might talk about that with another Lockdown host next week um, or whenever they end up playing. But that's really exciting. So the Guardians team, I mean, but, like, their, their numbers are heinous. Uh, 23rd in batting average, 27th on a base, 29th in runs, 30th in home runs and slugging. Woo! So, guys, there are teams out there that are worse than the Padres, but there's no teams better worse out there than the Padres when it comes to writers and scoring positions. So hopefully they can do well against Cleveland, and then they play Tampa Bay. So again, they go to Cubs. Or I'm sorry, the Cubs are coming to San Diego. Then the Mariners are coming to San Diego. Then they go 
on the road to Colorado at Coors Field. Hopefully the offense can do well there. And then Cleveland. This is a huge stretch because you're not playing teams that are necessarily all that great. Then you're playing Tampa after that. And San Fran, I think, is a solid team. And you've seen as they vaulted us in the standings, they're okay. But you're playing. This is it. This is your time. This is the show-me time. If the Padres do well over this stretch, I think that saves a lot of people. If they don't, I hate to say it, and this sounds crazy, but you may or may not have have your boy, Javier Reyes, doing an episode titled, Should the Padres Trade Juan Soto? If they're bad over this stretch. Not like two games over 500, and not, not like maybe they don't set the world on fire, right? That's okay. I'm saying if they go like four below 500 over this stretch or whatever it is, if they were to like get swept by the Cubs or something like that, by the Rockies, then I might have to do that episode. And it sounds crazy, but it really won't be if this team doesn't snap to it. You know, I hope they do. I really hope. And I still think they can. Remember, they have the defense and all that stuff. So just do a little bit. You don't have to be all worldly. The whole hopes of a, of a, of a murderer's row, that's gone. That died after like a month, <laughs> less than a month. But you never had to be that. Just play to your level that you always have. Xander. Tatis is getting there. He is. Hopefully Manny comes back. And Grisham, if you could do anything. Matt Carpenter, Nelson Cruz, all these guys. That's what we're hoping for. That's what we're hoping for. <laughs> and El Gary, the savior of the Padres season, apparently. I guess we'll just see how it all transpires, guys. But with that all being said, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. The only pod. That may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever your podcast from. Follow us wherever, you know, follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres. The YouTube, blah, 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 whatever. Happy Spider-Verse Day and happy Pride Month, everybody. And happy summer, even if you're like me and hate the summer. Until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful, my fire faithful homies. Take care.